This is The Space Shot, episode 70, for July 23rd, 2017. Chandra and Smartphone Maps. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. On July 23rd, 1999, the Space Shuttle Columbia, under the command of the first female shuttle commander, carried the Chandra X-ray Observatory into space. Eileen Collins flew on two missions, STS-63 and 84, before being selected as the commander of STS-93, which launched on this day in 1999. In addition to being the first commander of a shuttle, Collins was also the first female shuttle pilot. She graduated with degrees in mathematics and economics and went on to earn a Master's of Science from Stanford. She was also the second female pilot to attend the U.S. Air Force Test Pilot School, where she was selected for the astronaut program. Last year, it was reported that Collins was on a list of potential NASA administrators that President Trump is considering. As of now, I haven't seen any updated news, but the National Space Council is supposed to meet later on this summer. Whenever there is news for the National Space Council or there's a selection made for the NASA administrator, I'll be sure to have an episode covering that topic. The mission that Collins commanded was STS-93, and its primary objective was to deploy the Chandra X-ray Observatory into an orbit where the two inertial upper-stage boosters could carry the spacecraft the rest of the way into orbit. Chandra is named after the Nobel Prize-winning Indian-American astrophysicist Subramanian Chandra Shekhar. He studied the evolution of stars, physics, and stellar dynamics, and authored 11 books and nearly 400 scientific papers in his lifetime. The AXAF, or Advanced X-ray Astrophysics Facility, was renamed in his honor after a NASA contest that was held in 1998. In 1999, Chandra was launched by Columbia during the STS-93 mission. Chandra, along with the Spitzer Space Telescope, the Hubble Space Telescope, and the Compton Gamma Ray Observatory, were part of NASA's Great Observatories satellites. Chandra has been returning scientific data for nearly 18 years now, since its scientific mission started a month after launch. According to NASA, quote, Chandra enables observations of clusters of galaxies that provide direct evidence of the existence of dark matter and greatly strengthens the case for the existence of dark energy. Chandra observations of the remains of exploded stars, or supernovas, have advanced our understanding of the behavior of matter and energy under extreme conditions. Chandra also discovered and studied hundreds of supermassive black holes in the center of distant galaxies. Currently, Chandra is well past its designed life, but continues to function, and according to the 2017 fiscal year budget request, gives the mission nearly $52 million, and it gets similar amounts in the notational budgets going out to 2021. There's still a lot of great science to be returned from these missions, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of the images that these telescopes bring back. Now, I've got a question to ask you. Have you ever looked at the satellite imagery that's available on your mapping app on your iPhone or Android device? There's a good chance that just about all of you have seen that at some point, but have you ever wondered where they get those images from? A large chunk of the Google Maps satellite imagery come from the Landsat series of satellites. While it's nice to have satellite images for navigation for your car or for when you're walking around in a big city, the Landsat images also provide a fascinating look into the places we live. 
In the show notes, I'm going to link to Timelapse, a Google Earth Engine web app that highlights how different places around the world have changed in the last three decades. I looked up my hometown, Loveland, Colorado, and it was astonishing to see how much that city has grown in the past 30 years. I probably spent too much time playing around on that website looking up places I've been to, and also places that I want to see. It's definitely worth checking out, so I'm going to put it first up in the show notes for today's episode. The majority of the images that were used in the time-lapse project come from the Landsat satellites as well. On this day in 1972, Landsat-1 was launched, and according to NASA, Landsat-1 provided, quote, data on vegetation, insect infestations, crop growth, and associated land use information. We've only had the ability to continuously monitor our planet from space for less than half a century, but we've already become dependent on the information these satellites can provide. Having the ability to accurately monitor crop health, weather events, water usage, and countless other scientific and commercial applications is critical for everyone from farmers to scientists. Before I close out tonight's episode, I want to talk about Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. It's getting mixed reviews from a lot of critics, but I actually enjoyed the movie. Visually, it was one of the most stunning movies I've seen in a long time, and it's nice to see a sci-fi movie that's not a sequel or a prequel, and instead it's something that stands on its own. If you're into sci-fi, I would suggest checking it out in theater, since a lot of those visuals are more impressive on a bigger screen. Thank you all for listening to today's show. If you have ideas, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at John Molnix. I'd love if you could share the show with your friends and family, or for that matter, anyone that enjoys podcasts. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a rating in iTunes. It takes just a minute to leave a rating or review, and it makes a huge difference because it helps more people find the show. Tomorrow, Amelia Earhart. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.